Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. From Hall. The place is at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. the great college basketball venues in the nation, UD Arena. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back to the Talking Out Loud podcast, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 that you heard on our introduction and the only place on the internet solely focused to talking about your Dayton Flyers. Flyers got a game coming up 1230 Eastern time here on Saturday at the new Cooper Fieldhouse. I just call it the new Palumbo in Pittsburgh. Flyers taking on the Duquesne Dukes in their first season in their new digs. I'm a little bit excited about the game because I do want to see how uh, these new digs look on television. But uh, before we get into the game, I have to introduce our guest to give us a little Dayton Duquesne preview. His name is Johnny. He lives in Pittsburgh. He is a Duquesne grad. You can find him on Twitter at the Buff Blog, and he joins the program now live from Pittsburgh, PA. Johnny, I got to be honest with you. I don't know. Sometimes when we do the show together, I just want to talk with a Pittsburgh accent the whole time. And I, <laughs> I, now we're here to talk about hoops. But I think that would turn off a lot of my listeners, so I'm going to keep it above the chest today. Great to have you on the program, man. It's good to be here. I appreciate you having me again. One of my greatest skills in life is that I can turn on a Pittsburgh accent and turn it off when need be. Um, But more often than not, and I think you know that this Steelers season has kind of brought out the yinzer in all of us. Um, So I'm glad that we can kind of focus on something else on Saturday before we uh, meet our inevitable demise on Sunday as Steelers fans. Oh, definitely. I'm ready. I'm ready for the football season to move on and get into draft season. <laughs> <laughs> now we sound like Browns fans. All right. I digress. Uh, again, game on Saturday, 1230 Eastern early one um, on the USA Network. Now that NBC Sports um, has, uh, I guess, th- it doesn't exist anymore. So it's kind of weird to see these games on um, on USA Network. Um, usually I'm I'm, you know, seeing like monk reruns or like another episode of burn notice or something like that. And now we actually have basketball on Saturdays, which is pretty cool. But, um, you know, before we, we get into the, the game itself, um, you know, I kind of wanted to start with with really the state of the program, because for Flyer fans out there, uh, Keith Dambrod, who took over at Duquesne, uh, I guess it was what, five years ago now he's in his fifth season. Um, however much weight you'd like to put in last season is up to you as a basketball fan. But uh, Keith Dambrot started at 500. He improved to 19 and 13 in year two. And then year three, it really kind of felt like he had things moving in the right direction. 2020, they were 21 and nine, 11 and seven in the conference, which was their best finish in the conference in quite some time. You'd have to go um, really all the way back to when they joined the conference, 11 and seven, or sorry, they're a, a flagship member of the conference, so I can't say when they joined. But really, like 
you would have to go all the way back to the 70s to find a better conference slate for Duquesne. And at that time, it, it was like, all right, we had our, our best finish ever in the A-10 at 11 and 7. Felt like things were moving in the right direction. Then last year, Duquesne goes 7 and 7. This year, they're 6 and 8 overall, 1 and 1 in the conference to start. So, you know, give Flyer fans kind of the feeling around the program now because it kind of feels like you're back where you started again, right? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, with last year, it felt like it was going to be the season where they were going to finally take the jump. And then with the pandemic, that killed them. And then when they lost three players in January, that officially took the wheels off and you knew the season was over. And then, you know, when you lose your point guard, who you had built the whole team around, you, you know, it's you're, you're going into a full rebuild. So um, this year, I mean, I think people expected it to be kind of a rough year. Yep. Um, the way that they've lost some games, though, has even made it worse because four or five of the eight losses have been winning in the last minute and then just making inexplicably, you know, bizarre low IQ basketball plays at the end, losing games. So I think the state of the program right now is really, uh, you know, people want to have hope, but at the same time, we're conditioned to expect, you know, that the better players to leave after the season, which is unfortunate, but I mean, that's just what kind of what, what we've been conditioned for over the last, not even with Keith, but over the last decade, you just expect all these kids to go to high major schools after playing here. It just feels like a Juco. So, I mean, that's kind of just the general feeling around the program right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it's weird to me because I think we've talked about it for years. I think, this is probably what, like the third or fourth year that we've done this here on the show where we talk about Dayton and Duquesne. But it's strange to me that Duquesne hasn't been able to turn the corner. And I say that for people that maybe aren't familiar with the program because all of the other things are now in place for the Dukes, right? They always had the, the nice big market, you know, as far as places that you can go play college basketball. Pittsburgh's not a, a budding basketball market by any means. They don't have like diehard basketball fans in Pittsburgh. And I'm not going to sit here and say that as two guys that grew up there. But what we do have is a good city, a good place to live. Um, and you would rather live in Pittsburgh than, you know, fucking Ole in New York or something like right, that. Right. So like the locations always helped Duquesne. And then, they, you know, after Dave Harper got there from uh, UD and took over the athletic director job, he started to make sure that funds were allocated to athletics. And it seems like athletics have taken a step upwards. And then, of course, you get the new Cooper Fieldhouse. So there has to be an added level of frustration in that it seems like everything else is being put into place and the winning on the floor and keeping guys on campus just hasn't happened, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, it, everything is in place. I think the coaching staff is great. Keith is great. I think the biggest thing is just self-inflicted wounds. I mean, when you can't have player retention and you're playing against teams in the conference like St. Bonaventure, who has four-year players in the program every year, yep. um, you just get no cohesiveness. So, I mean, they've recruited good players. It just wasn't a good culture fit. Like, they had kids last year that were really solid and are at really good schools now on good teams, but – um, they just weren't culture fits here. They weren't, they didn't gel with Keith or the other players. He, like he's, he's had really good kids. I mean, they, some of them 
will play professionally over in Europe, I think, sincere carry will actually get a shot in the NBA. It's just frustrating whenever you feel like you're getting there, getting there. Um, you know, you win 20 games, which is a landmark at Duquesne. You know, we don't win 20 games. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So, it, and then you go back, you play, you play 20 games total last year. And then this year, it's just been a, a cluster with all the cancellations again, and then just close losses. I'm just waiting for it to kind of catch up. I mean, we're at the point where I think if, if the player retention gets better, then it can turn the corner. But if the player retentions, stays on the same trajectory then it's just not gonna not gonna improve yeah well there is something to be said for at least understanding what needs to be fixed right um i think there's a lot of programs especially in the a10 right that they their problems are so great and they are so many that they don't even you know it's it's kind of like you know pulling water out of a car that's that's sinking into the ocean it's like where do you start and I think Duquesne has done a great job at addressing some of the things that were ailing them for all those years. I mean, we've talked about it. My brother went to school at Duquesne. They just didn't invest money in athletics for a really long time. I'm talking about like 20 years. And so I was encouraged because I think that the A-10 is is better off when Duquesne is good, but we haven't ever really realized that, you know? Um, And even like you said, going all the way back to like when TJ McConnell was at Duquesne, he was there for a year and then he left and he went to Arizona and he was a three-year starter there. And he, he was fantastic. You look down the lineup of transfers that they've had. And this is for flyer fans reference. I'm sure I'm not telling you anything new, but sincere carry, he up and left to Kent state Tavian Dunmartin, who was, um, you know, uh, an electric player an entertaining player for the Dukes. Uh, he went to Florida Gulf coast. And then we ended up seeing Marcus Weathers earlier this year playing for SMU and, he's having a great season there because he's surrounded by guards that can get him the ball and and he doesn't have to do as much offensively. So I can understand where, where that would be frustrating. And um, you know, I do, you know, I kind of hope that the Dukes are able to to turn it around with that in mind, what kind of leash do you see Dan broad having? And have you heard anything as far as like issues internally that the team has that has led to, to these transfers? Because I remember you saying, when sincere carry left that he was probably not the best fit for the program is the feeling in Duquesne land that you're going to blame those on Dan brought. It seems like the school's given him a pretty long leash, right? Yeah. I mean, I think as far as like a leash, he's pretty, pretty much very safe just because the success he's had, I mean, compared to Jim Ferry and I mean, he's been solid. I mean, they've never been bad. So he's on a seven year contract and he's on year five. Um, you know, they'll, they'll probably, I, in my belief, I think they'll give him an extension, a couple year extension. Yeah. Um, as far as with the transfers, like he coaches really hard from what I've heard. So just from people within the program. So some kids like to be coached. Some kids like the AAU mentality where they can get a bus to the gym and then just roll the ball out and do whatever they want. Yep. So as far as like the transfers, like, those guys hurt like the sincere carries and Marcus Weathers and Tavian's done Martins um, just because those kids were here whenever the rebuild started. Um, and you thought, thought that they'd see it through at least until an NIT or maybe, maybe possibly an NCAA tournament berth, but things just didn't work out. Um, sincere carry had personal reasons for going to Kent state. So yep. um, 
And I think the, I think at some points over the last couple of years, it seemed to me from the outside looking in that the team was a little clicky, like yeah, just with some guys not getting along with others, there being bigger personalities. And I think when you're kind of a team that's fighting an uphill battle already, when you don't have any history of success in the last 40 years, you know, you need everybody on the same page and firing on all cylinders and these it just it wasn't happened. So I think at the end of last season, he had no he had uh, no other choice but to kind of clean house. And I, Don Martin was coming back originally, and then decided to leave. He was handed the keys in Florida, in Florida Gulf Coast, where they basically have given him a green light where he can take thirty shots a game. So <laughs> that's where he, that's where he wanted to be, right? Yeah. Lord so, knows he wanted well, to take thirty shots a game. <laughs> God, so like I can't blame him. He's down there living on the beach. I think Florida Gulf Coast is actually on the beach, the campus. So it is. Um, yeah. So he was. We just saw him at a game a few weeks ago. He was at or the Cooper Fieldhouse for a game when they were in town to play Robert Morris. So I think for him, for him, he made the right move for himself. So, I mean, you can't, I don't blame the kids when they leave, if they have something personally, or they think something professionally is going to enhance them at another school, then I can't, I never blame the kids for leaving. Yeah. And, and I will say this about Duquesne. Um, again, we're, we're going kind of deep into, into the program for, for Dayton listeners, but the reason I think the discussion is um, important right now about Danbrot in year five is that Duquesne really has not been shy about kicking guys to the curb and moving on with the program. I mean, as far back as the the year that we were born in you know, 1990 uh, or year I was born, rather. I mean, there's not been a single coach that's lasted more than seven seasons, um, you know, and even the ones that I remember when we were growing up, like. Danny Knee was five years, Ron Everhart, six years, Jim Ferry, five years. And now here you are again, Keith Dambrot, five years. So I think it's important now for Duquesne to kind of set that history aside and say, all right, we're, we're not going to turn through coaches every five years. You know, we're, we're going to try and make a commitment to Dambrot in the program. And I think the arena is a big part of that. Right. So leads me to the next point. What have you thought about the, the new arena um, it looks pretty cool to me. I, I, I can't wait to get there. I can't be in, in Pittsburgh for the game this weekend, but uh, initial thoughts on the new building and the new digs. I love it personally. Um, I think just opening up the one side with the glass where you can see outside because whenever, whenever yeah. it was still Palumbo and it was closed in, it was like a cavern. The roof was leaking. Yeah. yeah um, I know. And there was the like, there was like faux, the faux windows up top. So they let in daylight, but you couldn't see out of them, which you was like, what's the purpose of, of that? Exactly. So it was terrible. They really needed an upgrade badly. They did a, you know, they did a, um, like a half scale renovation back in like 2011 where they right, pulled yeah. out all the seats and then they put in a new scoreboard, but like, it was just like, putting lipstick on a pig like they, <laughs> they needed they needed to carry it to tear it down to the studs and kind of start over so like there's some similarities some of the seats are still the same but overall it's just a better atmosphere it's lit i mean it's just like night and day with like the lighting yeah. which makes a big big difference to me um, oh, we know that in Dayton. If you remember, like our court used to look yellow all the time, and now it actually looks like white and bright. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely. It feels like a legit place where you can go watch a game. There's a bar. They have 
real concession stands now that actually serve liquor and beer. What? Um, Look at you. Boxes. <laughs> yeah. Now you can get drunk while you watch Duquesne hoops. I mean, that was probably a prerequisite anyway, but now it's more accessible. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. So they got a couple beer stands. So it's nice. They've had some kit, you know, some students have come out to the games this year, actually. They, so it's been a nice atmosphere. Um, you know, if they can ever be a solid, consistently good, like top half Atlantic 10 program, it could be a really nice gym. It's a small little gym and it can, you know, it can get loud. Um, yeah. if there's pe- people in there it's just it just all comes down to the success of the program you know they could be playing in madison square garden it doesn't matter as long as you don't you know if you don't win so don't put up the wins yeah it, what is yeah. the capacity there's like four thousand i think it's a little less than four thousand i think it's like thirty eight hundred yeah that's the perfect it, size for it for a game because i mean you you know as well as i do like in my high school specifically used to play the the playoffs in the Palumbo center. And some of those high school playoff games were like some of the best basketball environments you could get. I mean, it was loud. Like you, you could hear everything on the court. You're like right on top of it. If you're down low. I mean, I, I just, every time that I think about like what Duquesne basketball could be in the kind of environment that they could have, I think about a lot of those high school playoff games that we used to go to. And I mean, those were the best environments at the Palumbo back in the day. Yeah, they definitely were. The closest we get, we've gotten to that, to the high school playoff games is when Pitt would actually come and play. Like when we had a campus back and forth until, until like 2010, they would actually play the games on campus. So it would come to Palumbo, and those games were always great because they would be filled to the rafters and, uh, you know, be half and half. So that's kind of how the Whippeal games are. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if the Whippeal's playing there again this year. But, yeah, those games were always crazy. That place can get loud. It's just, with you know, with inconsistency, it just people just are disinterested in the product is what it, you know, comes down to. Yeah, it's realistic to say so. I remember about two years ago, um, cause we were <clears throat> at that time I was, I hadn't seen the renovations yet. And I was like, oh, I wonder how much they're actually going to do to the Palumbo or they're just giving it a facelift or whatever. And I, I parked at the hospital going to a Penn's game. So I had to walk right past the Palumbo center to get into, um, into the arena. And I remember I could see all the way into the arena, like to where the upper deck seats were like from the street. I was like, holy shit. Like they're really tearing this thing down to the studs. So, yeah. um, Quick, quick, funny story aside for the listeners. Uh, and now that the, the time has passed, I can I can pass the story along. But they unveiled the Cooper Fieldhouse, I believe, like in the spring. Is that right? Was it like April? Right. I think February. They played a couple of games there. So I okay, think they February. officially at the end of January, maybe fe- early February. OK, so <clears throat> they they had like a private tour of the Cooper Fieldhouse for like a select group of people. And I don't know what this select group of people. I, I have no idea. Right. So I remember that night I was like, oh, I can't wait to see the pictures come out and hit it online. <clears throat> well, I got a tip from somebody that I knew that followed someone on Instagram that got to do one of the private tours. And one of the people that was on one of these private tours, the guy took a ton of pictures, videos, put them on Instagram, and then someone sent them to me. 
and I screenshotted them and I put them on my Twitter and I was like, hey, take a look at this arena. This thing looks awesome, right? Like I wasn't even shit talking. Like usually I get slapped on the hand on Twitter for being like, you know, dumping on somebody or whatever. You'd be like, hey, be nicer, <laughs> which I'm always willing to do. You know, if you get in my DMs, tell me be nicer. I will. <laughs> but I remember <clears throat> I had the pictures up on Twitter for maybe like an hour and somebody from Duquesne Athletics DM'd me and was like, hey, can you take these pictures down? We want to do like a formal unveiling tomorrow. And like, we don't want pictures circulating. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here. I'm like, well, I wasn't the one to put them online. Like, I'm just regurgitating to, to followers. And of course, I, enough people follow me in college basketball that it started to really pick up traction. Like, I think somebody at Barstool retweeted me and they got super pissed at me. So of course, like I obliged, I took them down. Um, but it was really funny how that all plays out. Like, you know, I think they were trying to keep a cap and, and make it this like big unveiling. And then here I was like some shithead sitting on his couch, like re <laughs> sharing these pictures across the internet. <laughs> well, it was nice though, whenever, cause I remember that, but Duquesne had never shared like for the couple years they were renovating, they never shared any photos or any progress photos at all like periods so it was nice when some stuff came out and like, figure i'm the one to break yeah. it right <laughs> <laughs> right so like they, you know like you think like duquesne you know with all of it their marketing which is non-existent they would take anything they can get you know if something goes semi-viral give putting them in any sort of positive light they would take it but no. it's duquesne they have 60 and 70 year old people working in the athletic department who are <laughs> tone deaf to the 2022 social media world. And, you know, and they cater the athletic department caters to a very small select number of people and the rest of the people are just kind of disposable. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's well just, said. It, it's really bizarre. Like I just, I don't, I, I remember you telling me they messaged you about it and I was like, what, why would they even do that? It's just ridiculous. Just I know. Go. I know, especially because like I was talking, like I said, I was talking it up. I was like, man, this place looks gorgeous. This is great. I thought I was doing them a favor, right? Right. <laughs> it's like diff it's like different if it's like a St. Bonaventure fan who's gonna crap on it like they do with everything Duquesne, but um, but yeah, I mean it was nice. I just I, I don't get it personally, but they they'll keep doing what they do, I guess. Uh, that's, pre that's precisely right. Um, as we shift it, and we're wrapping up with uh, with Johnny. You can find him again at the Buff Blog, um, Bluff Blog, B L U F F Blog, um, on Twitter. And we're talking about the game again, twelve thirty Eastern on USA Network. Dayton against Duquesne here coming up on Saturday. Um, first, before we get into the the X's and O's and what we can expect for the game Saturday, Johnny, I got a little trivia. So play the music. I always have some trivia. My trivia question to you is that, believe it or not, uh, since Duquesne, uh, or sorry, since Dayton, rather, joined the conference in 1995, tomorrow, or Saturday, recording on Thursday, Saturday is the 50th meeting between the two teams in A-10 play. Um, Dayton has only played two opponents more than Duquesne, matchup-wise, uh, in their history, but 50th A-10 meeting between the two teams. My question to you is, out of those 49 meetings that have already taken place, how many have Duquesne won? Oh, I'm just on a first guess, I'd probably say 11 or 12. 
Wow, that was impressive. They have won exactly 12 games. I don't. I can't believe you just got that. <laughs> Holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah, uh, Dayton is 37 and 12 against Duquesne. Uh, last season, they split their meetings with Dayton winning the home game and then Duquesne also winning their home game um, last season. <clears throat> before that, before the loss that Dayton took last year, uh, they had a six-game winning streak. So um, I guess you can, you know, wipe the records clean. Let's let's start over here and have a new series. But um, nice. as far as on the court, again, walking into this game, Duquesne six and eight. Um, not really any hugely impressive wins. They beat Ryder, Bradley, American, New Hampshire, UC Irvine, and then UMass. They started conference slate one and one, losing to Fordham, who's not your father's Fordham anymore. 2-0 for the first time since they've joined the conference in 1995. You can book it. And I looked that up this morning because I actually <laughs> could not believe that Fordham's in the conference for 25 fucking years and they've never gone 2-0. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> I, I, I Even Duquesne has done it a few times. It's nuts. But like, <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't, their announcers kept saying it during the game last night. And I was like, now there's no way they're going to actually win this game. And then they still did. <laughs> There's no way. Oh, my gosh. So let's start with this, man. Like, what does Duquesne do well, um, you know, or de offensively or defensively? Uh, well, defensively, they're not doing much well right right now. Um, it was a rough night last night. As, as far as, like, our strengths, we have two really good freshman guards, Primo Spears and Jackie Johnson. Um, at the beginning of the season, Keith wasn't playing Johnson as much. He was – I don't know what – was the dip problem if he wasn't playing defense. But since they've put him in the starting lineup, he's been pretty much unstoppable. Both of these guys can can score 20 points a game. Um, their biggest biggest weakness right now is just uh, size. Like yeah. our starting set center is six foot seven. He's a great player, but he can't play 40 minutes a game. Um, <clears throat> our backup six eleven. You know, he, he's got size, but he's not playing too many minutes. And then we have a seven-footer, but he doesn't come off the bench. I think he's pretty much just a developmental guy. So, I mean, the biggest thing holding them back is just size right now. Um, if they could have got Mike Hughes back for another year, um, I think this would have been a completely different team. Um, but, you know, obviously he decided to make some money, which you can't blame him. So, yep. But, yeah, I mean, the guard plays really good. They don't turn the ball over really at all last night was their season high in turnovers and i think they had 14 okay so the opposite um, of Dayton. They, yeah yeah so they take care of the ball they don't have huge assist numbers because a lot of these guys try to play one-on-one -on -one too much sometimes but they shoot a lot of threes they shoot it well um just really the thing that kills them is the size and even for their size they rebound well but like when you got a a true big guy coming in and sitting there like this Holmes is what six foot ten yep six nine yeah so yeah I mean the guys like that will give them problems the guy at Fordham Owens gave them huge he almost had a triple double with blocks so and that's what Holmes does best man he he can disrupt at the rim I mean he's he's really playing it like an elite defensive level um you know as far as his block rate he's 34th in the country he's blocking 10% of opponent shots while he's on the floor, which I mean, that's elite. Like literally there's only yeah. 30 guys in the whole country. that are they're doing more than that. But I, I will say um, as far as, you know, my next question is going to be like, how can Duquesne pull this game out at home on Saturday? And honestly, I, I think you said it right there. 
They don't turn the ball over. They're top 40 in the country, a turnover percentage. Um, they don't commit unforced errors all that much, and they keep their opponents off the free throw line. When you double that into their three-point shooting, I mean, I'm looking down the, the roster right now. Spears is shooting 34%. Jackie Johnson, 44%. Uh, Kevin Easley, nine, 39%. And then uh, Tyson Acuff, he's at 17 for 34, 50%. There's a couple of guys that are weighing down this average to get it to 33%. But you just heard the numbers right there. I mean... It kind of feels like Duquesne might live and die by the three on on uh, Saturday, and that's pretty much how they can pull out a win, right? You see it any differently? No, I mean, that's pretty much it. When they have Spears and Johnston hitting shots, um, they have a chance, and then Leon Ayers is kind of – he's kind of the X factor for them. Um, he's been playing point guard, and so his production has been going down a little bit because he was really scoring when he was off the ball. He's really just the guy, if he gets going and they get one of Spears or Johnson going, they can pretty much beat anybody in the conference. Um, but if, you know, if one of those guys is having an off night, then they can lose to any, like they can lose to anybody like you saw with Fordham. So or LaSalle or um, any of those guys. So, I mean, if they hit their shots and they can hold their own inside and Trey Williams, the big guy, not can get foul trouble, um, you know, they have a shot to win any game. Um, I think, you know, they would have a chance in this game at least. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, they're going to live and die by the three. But I mean, they pretty much died by it. And <laughs> they've, died. they've been dying by <laughs> I mean, it. Yeah, they've been dying by it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty accurate. But, you know, they won't give the game away. They're going to they're gonna lose from their shooting or they're going to win from that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, well, I, I guess that leads us to uh, to predictions as we wrap up. Short episode tonight. Just wanted to do a little bit of a preview, catch up with Johnny since we don't get to do it too often. And uh, last year was such a, a goddamn mess that you know we didn't get to do these shows as regularly because we didn't know what was going to be on the schedule and when, right? Um, so hit Flyer fans with your prediction. The line isn't out yet as of the time of recording, but I have to imagine it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like, five points for Dayton. Um, Ken Palm right now has a three-point Dayton win on the road. I I'm going to say Dayton comes out favored by like four or five points. Uh, what say you? What do you think is going to be the outcome here on Saturday? Well, with all the Duquesne games they've played close, it's definitely not going to be any sort of route either way. Um, so I'll probably go with Dayton by 267 to 65, probably. Duquesne will be leading within the last two or three minutes, and then just not figure out how to finish the game. So that's kind of just, that's kind of just how we're conditioned right now. You come to the end and kind of expect that, but yeah, I, I think I would take it that way. Um, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if they were to pull out the game. I mean, again, I think they can beat anybody, but right now you just can't expect it the way things have gone. So. Yep. And that's what we're dealing with over here in flyer land is that, you know, Dayton, is probably going to be able to beat anybody in the conference this year, but they can lose on any given night just about um, besides if we're playing like George Washington, who is fucking pitiful. Um, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that factually people. So um, there you go. Announced it a couple times, 1230 tip on Saturday, Cooper Fieldhouse. <laughs> if you're going to the game, I am very jealous because I cannot make it back to my hometown, but please go to Buford's, go to Shale's, uh, maybe grab a slice of pizza Milano if you're into some junk food and uh, and make a day out of it. 
do some early drinking, get in there early. And uh, I'm sure there will be lots of flyer fans. The split is usually 50, 50 in Pittsburgh. And I do not see Saturday being any different. Uh, Johnny, always a, a pleasure to catch up with you, my man. Um, until next time, you know, we'll, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to some basketball and then I'm sure I'll be texting with you on Sunday, whatever the Steelers do, man. De- definitely appreciate it. Hoping we don't get any more cancellations and we can uh, play out the season without any interruptions. Yeah, damn right. Damn right. Heard that here. Um, The song I'm going to take you out with tonight is by the Clarks, um, just because it's Pittsburgh related. And that's what I like to do. So song taking out today is by the Clarks. And, you know, there's two rules until next week. Oh, yeah. I guess I should probably announce the talking out loud schedule. Uh, We will be coming to you with an episode on Sunday night, getting you ready for the Bonaventure game on Tuesday. And then I got the George Mason guys who will be hooking up with me next Wednesday for the regularly scheduled episode on Thursday. That's it. Wear red. Be loud. See you next time. Oh.